you that this is the year of promise and some of you have been waiting a long time for some things to happen but God has had his eye on you from the time you entered into your testing until the time he brings you out In Genesis chapter 17 verse 15 to 19 and I won't be before you long. In fact, I'll put on my timer right now. Then God added Sarah, your wife, her name is no longer Sarah, that is A I, but it's now Sarah, A H. The power of that is that both Sarah, A I, and Sarah, A H actually mean princess but there's a slight difference Sarah AI means princess but the AH here when God changes her name the AH is a short form for Jehovah or the Lord so basically God is saying to Abraham your wife is no longer a princess she is now the Lord's princess. Tell somebody and say, I'm the Lord's princess. Even if you're a guy because the church is a female, amen, we're the church, so you can say it, I'm the Lord's princess. Okay, okay, if you're a guy, say I'm the Lord's prince, if that'll make you feel better. <laughs> I'm the Lord's prince. And I will bless her, and I will give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and her and make her the mother of nations. Many kings shall be among your, posper, pos, your posterity, that is, your descendants. Then Abraham threw himself down in worship before the Lord, but inside he was laughing in dis disbelief. And he said in amusement, Sarah, to have a baby at 90? Ha, 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 yeah, right. And Abraham said to the Lord, Yes, do bless Ishmael. In other words, do bless what I perform. Do bless what I produced. And God said, no, no, that isn't what I said. I said, Sarah, the miracle shall bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac, laughter, and I will sign my covenant with him forever and with his descendants. Amen. Um, I want to talk about our goals for uh 2017. This is part two. And I'm Mother, Sel Mother Selma. Mother Cummings, I want you to get ready to pray. I'm going to let you know when, okay? Uh, our goals for 2017, just so that you know where we're heading. And again, this is the year of promise. We're believing God to fulfill some promises. Uh, our goals for 2017, I said last week, is to repair and renovate this building, and particularly the outside. Uh, our goal is to reorganize our structure because we're believing that we're to be a church that grows to a thousand. 
and therefore as we, we have to organize so that we make sure that, that God can trust us with the people that he wants to send to us. God will not give anybody anything that has not that they have not prepared for. Are you with me? Some of you want God to give you more money, and God says, well, organize the money you have now. Mm, mm, mm. Some of you want to get married, get organized to get married. Amen. Amen. Your spouse, whether, whether male or female, because no, some of you guys need to know how to cook, but that's a whole other story. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't, you, no, 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 uh, you can't live on microwave popcorn, okay? Got to be able to make more than toast, okay? Just come on, we, we, we have to get ourselves ready for what God has for us. Are you getting ready for what God has for you? Are you preparing? And then, uh, then we said that our third goal uh, this year is that, we, and, and um, as I said, we, you talk about iPad, that is we want to grow influencers, which means uh, we want to develop leaders, uh, pastoral care, PA administration, and discipleship. And, uh, and then we want to uh, rejoice and celebrate 90 years. We are 90 years old this year, particularly in March, March 27th. We'll be 90, but we're going to really celebrate and live it up October 20 to 22nd. So get ready. We're going to have a blast. We're going to leave this year partying. And then uh, finally, my goal is to raise up a new generation of leaders. You know, those born, particularly focusing on those born uh, 1980 and later. And if you didn't make the cut, don't worry. As long as you're new here, you're a new, you're a new generation of leader. I was born in uh, January 6, 1959. What struck me is, uh, I don't know, is, is your son here, Adozi? Adozi, how old are you, Adozi? 13? Okay, you're going to be 14 this year, right? Okay, so my... My um, my dad was raised in First Holiness Church, where Pastor Lorraine is the pastor. Uh, back then, churches in Cambridge were known by their numbers. And, those of you who've been here a while, you, there, was no, there was no PT. We were called 77. And it's funny because there was an old show called 77 Sunset Strip, and I thought that, you know, that was a cool name for our church, 77. Um, First Holiness Church was called 211. Abundant Life Church with Bishop Larry Ward is now a pastor was called 47. And then there was Pastor Clayton Watch Church. They were, so called, they, were on, they were on 789 Main Street, or right across the street from Royal East. They were called 789. And then we had another church that was a smaller church, no longer, but they were called 5 and 7. And not 57, they were number 5 and number 7. So, so you can tell somebody is old Cambridge, even if they're young. I had a guy who was like probably about 5, 10 years younger than me, and he said, oh, you go to 77. I said, oh, you've been in Cambridge a long time to be calling us 77. Uh, but, but my father went, and I say that because my father was raised in a church, uh, Pastor Lorraine's church, and they were located at 211 Columbia Street. Okay. And so my father at the age of 14 
he says to his mother and father, uh, I want to go to 77 at 14. I'm looking at your face. I'm looking at your face. <laughs> Delia's like, don't let my son even think about leaving. But could you imagine a 14-year-old saying to his parents, I want to go to that church. And I admire my grandparents, uh, Herman and Mildred Green, because they, they let him go. Because my father, uh, he was really enamored uh, and, and, and admired uh, uh, the, the pastor of our church, Bishop Alan C. Miller. And so my father went to 77 Columbia Street, Pentecostal Tabernacle, and I look back and I say, wow, that moved. If that move doesn't happen, I'm not pastor of this church. My whole destiny changed because of a 14-year-old kid. That's, that's frightening. Now, maybe this all is here. I don't know, but I'm, I'm not here. So my father, as he got in his 20, he, he, uh, my mom, she came here at 16 years old from Barbados, and she moved into the house that now is owned by, um, uh, well, Mother Downton, but now owned by her, her daughter, the Downtons, right down the street from uh, 77 Columbia Street, uh, actually Washington Street. So um, my, at that time, that house was owned by my mother's my mother's uncle, uh, Reverend Willie Chase, William Chase, and he married uh, Sister Donaldson's cousin, uh, Reverend Earlene Chase. So you know how it is when you, if you like people and there's even a semblance of a relationship, you say that, that's my cousin. Okay. Okay. So my dad meets my mom. And they get married, and then I'm born in 1959, January 6th. You don't have to do the math. I'm 58, and and what's what's challenging is that the year I'm born, my pastor is 69 years old. I, I'm not talking about like a 2016 69-year-old. I'm talking about pre-sexual revolution. No, pre-60s, pre-Beatles, pre-Motown, 69. And so being raised in Pentecostal tabernacle, being raised in church was really... You know, it, it was really, as I'm being raised, uh, the, the, the ministry is, is not really relevant to a, a kid like me on my age. Because back then, and, and, and some of you young people, because of the way ministry is now, um, you have no idea that back then the, the preacher was the man of God. And the preacher would never be transparent. So 
That's why right now when you hear about you know, preachers falling or people getting into you know, trouble, it's, you're shocked, you're surprised, but you're not shocked. Back then, no, because the man of God would stand, and, and we would call him, you're not the preacher, you're the man of God. You, you, you stand behind the sacred desk. And you preach only the Bible. So when you hear me talk about you know, being transparent and you know, driving a car and you know, someone cut me off and I got upset, that, that kind of talk would never come from the pulpit. So all I'm hearing is sermons that have no relevance to me. Are you following me so far? So now, fast forward, 1975, I am 16 years old, and this deacon who has a powerful prophetic ministry, but we didn't really know what prophetic ministry was that back then. We just knew that when this, when this man spoke, and back then, there was no, you know, you prophesy, you have to speak in tongues for us so that it kind of signals that God is doing something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so and he, he's still alive. He's one of my mom's good friends, uh, uh, Deacon, uh, Deacon Josh Collins. So he got up and he prophesies that the Lord says, this is after speaking in tongues, so you know, you've got to remember back then in 1975, as soon as you heard tongues, there was a holy hush. Like, <sighs> Anybody that was raised in one of those churches, that, that the, as soon as you heard the tongues, it's like, whoa. <laughs> you know, so he spoke in tongues, and then he says, the Lord says these walls are going to be bulging with people. And Normally, hearing that at 16 years old and looking around and seeing all these empty pews, my attitude was, and as you know, Deb and uh, Anita, uh, he might as well have said the moon is made out of green cheese. Because there was, my mind was saying, this I got to see. But it makes no sense that that word grabbed hold of the heart of an eight, 16-year-old, and I just believed. Fast forward, it's 1980. I am a junior at Bentley College, 21 years old, and um, Alderoy just get saved, student at Tufts, working for Verizon, the same company that my mom worked for. And, he, and Bish, uh, Pastor Thomas Barkley, his cousin Patrick, went to Tufts University, met Elder Roy, they gave, became good friends. He brought Elder Roy to church. Elder Roy got saved. And we were experiencing a powerful revival powerful move of God. We used to sing out of the hymn books and then all of a sudden all these worship songs start coming forth like, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. You know, 
these. Now we bring the sacrifice of praise. I will end. Now these songs sound like old, you know, worship songs. No. no. But, but back then, to sing songs like that, not in the hymn book? Whoa. And we started singing so many of those songs. I don't know who, who did it. Well, it might have been you. Uh, but we had a, we typed them up. Was it you? You or Elder Anita had to type them up. So now we don't, we don't have this. Well, we have song books, but we have these sheets of paper because there, there's no screens back then. So we're standing holding papers, but the presence of God is just falling in these service. And, and, and we felt like, wow, we're on the cutting edge of something. And then we have, now, now again, um, you know, now my pastor, you know, he, he, he did, did the best he could. But when you're 16 years old and your pastor is 85, I'm 58 and I can feel my energy is not quite, quite where it is. 85, and you're trying to lead young adults and teenagers, it, it's, it's not working. I'm 85, it's the 70s, you know, earth, wind, and fire is just coming out, and, and, and I'm, I'm like, okay, we're into life now. You know, James Brown's doing hot pants and, and rare, I mean, I mean, thing, Rolling Stones are at the, I mean, things are rolling here and I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hear something that's going to help me live my life. Not, well, you know, Moses was in the burning bush and God can deliver. You, you need to tell me, how did he deliver you? But what you're saying is at 85, it's not going to have any relevance to a 16 year old Mm -hmm. And you know what happens when you're a teenager. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, sister such and such is now, woo. <laughs> so now it's 1980. I'm 21 years old. I'm a junior in college. And this powerful prophetic man of God I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to. Um, I don't want to disparage anybody, but he 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 is he was nationally known. He's in fact he really was. He's the unknown reason why T.D. Jakes got discovered. So that's the kind of influence he had. But he was mentoring my uh, my youth pastor, and he came in our church, and he said to some folks, "Ichabod is written on this church." Ichabod, you, you'll find in the first Samuel, but it means, it is a Hebrew word that means no glory, that the glory of God is departed from this church, and this church is dead. And when you think about it, at this time now, look, my pastor's 90, and he's still pastoring. 90. And you say, why didn't you do anything? Go back again, because there's no structure, so to speak. We were raised 
in the word that says, touch not the Lord's anointed. And so what happened is that I saw all of my youth pastor, we, our chief musician, Berkeley graduate, and all the young people were leaving. And poor Elder Roy, who just gave his heart to the Lord, he's like, I mean, can you imagine, you just got saved. And all the people who you look up to are leaving. And my attitude was, wow, he's a man of God. I guess I should leave too. And the Lord says, where are you going? I was like, he said, Echabod. And the Lord said, but what did I tell you? And I just remember the word just, the, uh, come here, sir. The word had a hold of me, and it would not let me go. Thank you, sir. And there's some of you, that no matter what kind of hell is breaking out around you, there's a word that just won't let you quit. It, it's like you've thrown the word away and say, I don't want it, and it jumps back into your heart. Can I get a witness out there? Yeah. In other words, you don't have the promise. The promise has you. It has you. And so now we're... We're just dwindling. Um, only a few of us are there. Sister Debbie was in Michigan, I think, at that time. I didn't like Sister Debbie. No, no, this is why. See, some of you all understand. Sister Debbie was in Michigan. And she would, well, no, there's no texting back there. There's no, there was no, there's no cell phone. There was, there was rotary phone, okay? But she would write letters. And she'll say, oh, guess what? I was at a church, and we were just worshiping, and all of a sudden, the clock sisters just dropped by. <laughs> oh, I was, at an, I was at Bailey's Cathedral, and, you know, the whining just stopped by and just started singing. I mean, just, I'm like, I'm like I, I don't like you. <laughs> it was almost like, wow, so what are you doing? Are you, are you following me so far? So now, fast forward, and it's now 1990. 15 years since the Lord says this place is going to be filled. Um, can you show the picture? Hopefully we get this next picture. Yeah. So that is me and Lady Carmen, 1990. We are christening. Uh, Vanessa, offering it to the Lord. Uh, she's so cute. Do you see all of those empty spaces? That was the full size of the church. The full size. Side. The full side. That's 77. And, and forget the balcony because the balcony was just for storage. We were so sure people weren't coming, that we used the balcony for storage. And that service, guess what? That was a special service. A lot of those people were guests. Because remember, folks, it's a christening. And the reason why I know they're guests because the guy in the way in the back left with the tie on, you see him? That's my Uncle Lawson. He's a, he's a, he was a deacon at Union Baptist Church. So the only reason he's there 
is to see his first great grandniece uh, 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 christened. So even so, as few of those people are, a lot of them were guests. This is what I'm seeing when Deacon Josh Collins says the place is going to be filled. I was like, yeah, right. And yet, God is faithful. I'm saying all this because you need to understand where God brought us from and why we are going to be celebrating like crazy this 90th year because really, after that man said Ichabod, we should not even be in existence. Fast forward, and now it's like 1996. I'm pastoring. 1997, I meet this guy by the name of Chandler Cleveland. And he starts prophesying how the church is going to be filled, how we're going to have influence in the region. And I'm just simply, and now my like, well, he wasn't there back in 1975, so this must be God. And then all of a sudden, it started happening. My coworker, before I left Cambridge Hospital, her name was Loretta St. Louis, she got saved. She brought her son, JP, to the church. JP gets saved. JP's dad is a professor at uh, UMass Amherst, which means that he can go to UMass for free. He goes to UMass for two years, but all of a sudden, he decides that he wants to go to Tufts University. JP goes to Tufts and very charismatic. All of a sudden, he starts bringing these kids from Tufts to our church. One of them is uh, Lakeisha uh, Gar Garcia was really, uh, she's, you know, she's comes to the second service. Uh, and all of a sudden these college kids from Tufts come. Then Wellesley, then Harvard, then MIT. And the next thing you know, 2000 rolls around, 25 years later, and we go to two services. And I remembered, like Sarah, that you get an initial promise and you say to God, you got to be kidding. But if you would just hang in there, 25 years later, I'm now, I, I, I received the word at 16 and now I'm 41 and I'm seeing God fulfill his promise. And now, fast forward, if you look at a picture, who would ever dream that God wouldn't give us just one church? He gives us two churches. He is the faithful God. And our 90 years of celebration is not about our faithfulness. It's about his. Elder Albert, when you prayed for me last, was it last Sunday? That was such a prophetic, powerful prayer. Because you say, well, Bishop, how did you hang in there for so long? 
It's because, show the picture. Hopefully it's the next picture. These people, they're all 90-year-olds. While I was coming up in the church, these are the legends that have passed away, but these are the legends that are still alive. And, of course, who's not here at the early service, Mother Watson. But these people, you, you cannot, you cannot, you, you cannot be the same person when you spend 57 years of your life watching people like these. Deacon Cummings taught me that you can actually be a normal man of God and tell jokes. <laughs> and I would watch him, and he'd say, Brian, no, I'm not a preacher or anything. And yet, throughout his life, I would see young men just flock to him. And I was so glad that you were led when you chose him to be my godfather. I watched him and saw how you can be a man of God and love your wife and have fun. And you know, every, I, was, I got so tired. He was one, he's old school, meaning that he would let the pastor know when he's leaving church. And when he come up to me, Bishop, I'm leaving, me, 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 and, me and mom uh, Cummings, you know, I'm like, where you going? What, what part of the world are you going? Because every year, well, I'm going to you know, Alaska, and we're going to the Bahamas. And I'm like, you know, I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> mother Louise Salmon, my mother-in-law. I learned about the faithfulness of God to answer prayer from this woman. My father-in-law was a deacon in the church. Something happened where he backslid in 1968-69. And just hardness in his heart to the point that he really hated the church. And I remember when I, I told people that I believe Carmen Salmon is going to be my wife. They looked at me like, good luck, pal. My mother-in-law kept praying and kept praying. I remember in 1981 when I was going to graduate from Bentley and my father-in-law found out that Carmen and I were together and when, when he found out that Carmen and I were together, he didn't speak to her. They were living in the same house. He didn't speak to her for an entire year. Come down, kitchen, come on and dad, nothing for a year. She tried to signal to him, Dad, uh, um, Brian's graduating, and um, whatever it was made, 1981, it was Bentley College, now it's Bentley University. Uh, can I go to the graduation? He didn't say anything. So in the morning of my graduation, while she is ironing her clothes to get ready, he purposely waited to then, and he says, where are you going? I'm, I'm going to the graduation. And she said, and he said, no, you're not. And so here it is now graduation and you know you're walking in and you want to see your girl 
got my robe and everything. And I see my mom, my dad, and I look at my mom and I mouth, it was common. And, and I saw the look on my mother's face, how, how broken she was that. But that's the kind of, that's the kind of guy my father-in-law was. And people were saying, you need to leave that guy. He's, he's just bad. But my mother-in-law kept praying. Tuesday night prayer. When we had no rugs. None of this, what we do now. You know how we do, we're walking around. Not that, on her knees. We didn't have padded pews back then. They were wood. Oak. What'd you say? Yeah, splinters. Lord, how many pairs of stockings did you lose? <laughs> Sandra knows. <laughs> oh, you all have it easy now. But anyways. But Tuesday, she would just be crying out to God, crying out to God. And I would watch her and be like, you know, if, if God answers your prayer, that will be, she's he, he, real. We get married, and God did a wonderful miracle where my father-in-law's heart turned, and uh, my wife was the first daughter he gave away. That was a miracle. About, I don't know, it was a year or two, maybe. I can't remember, but my mother-in-law calls my wife in shock and in excitement, and she says, I came downstairs to go to church, and your dad is sitting in the living room with his suit on. And she's like, where you going? He says, I'm going to church. So Deacon, he was, well, he was Deacon, uh, Salmon came into church. And we didn't have that many people anyway, so when he came in, it was like, Deacon, Deacon, come here. Deacon Salmon's in the church. Deacon Salmon's in the church. No, it was a hush like Deacon's, like, oh my God, Deacon's. You're talking about almost two decades. So he comes in. Service goes on. It's finished. And as Reverend Archer, I believe, is about to give the benediction, he says, I have something to say. And we're like, oh boy. <laughs> Now, you got to understand, my father-in-law is probably the most proudest man. You know, like, you, know, you know how you West Indians are? Proud. You know how Africans are? Proud. You know, you know everybody, everybody says, we're the, we're the proud ones. No, every, everybody had pride, pride, pride. My father-in-law comes up before the church. And he says, and tears are streaming down his eyes. And he says, I want to just say to the church, I'm sorry for what I've done. And I repent before God and before you. And everybody is saying, praise the Lord. Well, some are saying, praise the Lord. Some are in shock. I'm in shock like, did, did I just see what I saw? That this proud man stood before the church 
and repented. And instead of my father-in-law dying where his children just gave him respect because he's a dad, we rejoiced at his passing because I think maybe he only lived maybe about five or six years after that, but that man was not the same. And the only thing I could link it to was the faithful praying of this woman, Louise Salmon. Agnes Darlington. For me, she's always been on Agnes. I learned from her how to love God's house. This woman treated God's house like it was her own. She was in every position possible. (laughs) She was the treasurer. She was a trustee. She was the prayer leader. And um, she was the holder of the keys because she only lived one house from the church. So when you came to PT and it wasn't open, go to Mother Donaldson's house. Back then, we didn't have full-time ministry, so when UPS came and rang the bell, we had a sign that if no one answers, go to 350 Washington Street. And you never sense any resentment. It was, I love God's house. So if you wonder what type of person Brian Green is, it's these people who, who form me my opinion. And so that's why many times it's, it's, what's my guy's name? Ryan, come up here, buddy. See, as I was raised in church, I said to myself, if I ever become a pastor, I want to make sure that I have messages that keep kids awake. And I figured the best way to keep them awake is to give them money. <laughs> and I, I did this years ago. I, as a matter of fact, one of the kids I first started with, I think I might, he's now in college. He was like a little bitty thing. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to grow, but his, his mother prayed and supernaturally. <laughs> I think he's the tallest in the family now. And I tell you, I tell you, I won't even mention his name. I did not think, am I right? I didn't think that boy was going to grow at all. Lord have it, I can tell you, prayer works. <laughs> prayer works. But anyways, he's in college now, and I think because of, and he was smart, because all the other kids were too cool. But every time I said, I have an ill, he would run, he would, he'd be the first one. I think I paid his first year in college. <laughs> but I, I, so I would, I would give kids money to be my example. And so I would hear parents say, my five-year-old started talking about your sermon. My eight-year-old started discussing your sermon. My, 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 all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my six-year-old started saying, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice. And when I would hear that, I would say, yes. Because I want to make sure that this younger generation loves church. 
And the thing that really blessed me, I gave you $3, so I'm going to, no, that's $3 an hour, so you have to stay here for an hour. Only kidding. <laughs> oh, let's give Ryan a hand. But no, you, you see that little tag he has on it? It says, Usher. Ryan loves God's house. You saw him ushering, smiling. I'm going to be afraid. I tell you, wait, how old are you, Ryan? 13? 13? Okay. 10 years from now, you'll be 23. Ooh, you're going to be a good catch. Anyways. <laughs> Mother's like, no, he's not. <laughs> but I want, and, and, and I want to close with this. I, I want us to celebrate the faithfulness of God. But I want to see a new generation of young people who love God's house, who love God. You weren't here, but on December 18th, on the first service, these four kids preached on Sunday. We gave a whole Sunday to the Sunday school. And already you can see some of them who the hand of God is on. And I want to be like Deacon Cummings and Ma Salmon and Mother Agnes Darlington and my mother, Mother Green, and my dad, Reverend Green, and Mother, uh, mother Watson and Mother Cummings. And I, I want to be able to sit back and see a new generation take the work even further. They, by God's grace, they blessed our generation with 77 Columbia Street and 337 Washington Street. That's the parking lot. And to be able to be given that by that generation and now, by God's grace, to multiply it to... 56 Magazine Street and 345 Washington Street. No, and as we have grown up together and we're, 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 we look at each other, you know, Cameron and Sandra and, and Debbie and Ken and uh, Anita, I mean, we, we look at each other and we say, wow, we're the older people now. Notice none of them said anything to me. They said, speak for yourself, pal. <laughs> But just as Sarah rejoiced at having Isaac, I'm rejoicing over you all. Because we're pushing you young people to be, expand the kingdom like you have not seen it before. And so we're going to invest in you. I want to encourage you. If you, if you haven't already, to, to, to sign up, or at least check out the perspective course because the perspective course deals with your spiritual lineage and it deals with your place in God's story. I am amazed. and, and Yeah, okay, I'm finished. <laughs> I'm amazed, and I want you to stand up. I'm, I'm finished, though, I really am. I'm amazed at how supernaturally God has been drawing people to this place.
supernaturally. Probably the most dynamic story I ever heard of. And the person reminded me, they said, do you remember how me and my wife came? And I was like, oh my goodness. They were, sta- they were, they were stationed in Europe. Europe. They told me the story. I, I couldn't believe, well, I had to believe it. And they said, their pastor in Europe said, the Lord told me to tell you that when you go back to the States, you're going to be pastored by a man named Brian Green. Never heard of me. So they started Googling Brian Green, and that's how they ended up at PT. The stories we hear, one person said, I said, how'd you get here? They said, well, I was looking for Jubilee. I said, Jubilee? (laughs) This is Cambridge. What what kind of map are you using? (laughs) But that's what God is doing. Turn to the person and say to the person next to you, no matter how long you've been here, here. even if it's a month, month, you're now a part of history here. You're a part of history. And I'm telling you, we have some powerful days ahead of us. This is an exciting year. You may not have been here for all the 90 years. You may not have been here for 58 like me, but you're here right now. Amen. And you ought to celebrate the goodness of God. It's tall and broken now.